Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about Divisor, a podcast on the RQ Network. Divisor is a dark science fiction audio drama with elements of horror from Harlan Guthrie, the mastermind behind the unsettling and addictive series Malevolent. In this immersive tale, we follow Sun, a young man who awakens aboard a spaceship bound for Earth on a mission to recolonize a desolate planet. However, Sun's journey takes a sinister turn, and he discovers unsettling truths about his world and himself. The entire series is available for you to listen to now. Search for Divisor wherever you listen to podcasts. That's D-E-V-I-S-E-R. Or visit www.divisor.ca or www.rustyquill.com for more information. Rusty Quill presents The Magnus Archives Episode 193 A Stern Look I mean, he's done it. He's ascended, become a part of the eye. He's, he's beyond us. Just shut up, Christ! He can't hear you. So, so what? He's not aware of us, of, of any of this? No. Or if he is, it's only as a minuscule speck amongst a flood of knowledge and fear that's passing through him. He has become the conduit between this new world and the thing that watches it. It's all running through him. Sounds awful. To someone so close to it, I imagine it would be a state of agonized bliss. I can feel it. The completeness of it all passing out from him. I can see everything from here, and that's just a hint of what he must be feeling. John. As he watches a man run screaming down endless dark alleys that close and crush. John! Stay with me. Sorry. It, it's, it's a lot. I, I can see that, but you need to keep it together. So, sorry, I, I think... I can handle it. Right, so what's the play? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, we came here to confront Elias. Uh, Jonah, whatever. So, how do we do that? He's too far gone. He's barely even aware we exist. And I'm guessing you can't just destroy him like the others? God knows what would happen if I called upon the eye to try and destroy a vital piece of itself. In the best case scenario, nothing happens. And worst case? No idea. An enormous explosion that destroys the world. We get torn apart, but still suffering, or cast off to the edges of the fearscape, maybe. I, I don't know. Okay, so not that then, but 
What about something like physical? I, what? No. Look, I know it's all about dream logic and metaphor and all that stuff, but you know, what if we just, what if we just grabbed him and you know pulled him down, or or just threw something heavy at it? Uh, I, I don't know. Or, or what about um, that's Elias's body, right? I mean, yeah, they're obviously Magnus's eyes, but that's still a Bouchard body up there, so. So maybe Magnus's original body is just still lying around here somewhere. That, that was a weakness before the transformation, so maybe we could still use that. It's gone. Ashes swept away by the winds of ecstatic terror. What you see up there is all that remains. Right. Right, right, right. Is the original Elias still in there somewhere? He's, uh, Maybe I, we could get through to him somehow. Uh, no, he didn't that. Uh, again? You just did one for Ru- Ru- Oh no. He recognizes those eyes. He's seen them all his life. Watching him. Judging him. Cutting through him so no part of him was secret or safe. They peel away the armor, his carefree smile and practiced shrugs. They are the eyes of his father. And they stare at Elias over an old mahogany desk, sat in the face of a man who said his name was James Wright. His interviewer smiles with his mouth, but the eyes are the same. So tell me, Elias. What are you afraid of? Elias Bouchard freezes in place. The question catches him completely off guard. Why would he ask him something like that? Elias is applying for a research job. What the hell does that matter? What? Uh, why do you ask? He gets the words out through a throat that doesn't want to speak. In the Institute, we're keenly interested in the anatomy of fear. Much that is stored here is disquieting. It is important to know if anything here might... upset you. His mind races. He can't tell the truth, obviously. Elias can't look this man in the face and tell him that he is what scares him. That his eyes, the curiosity and judgement that pulses out of them, they terrify him in a way he can't put into words. He feels that prickly panic building in the back of his skull, that worry that spills through. He knows. He knows I'm high. The thought leaps to Elias's mind for only a second before he remembers that he's not. He hasn't lit up all day, of course not, he's got an interview. But even so, he can't shake the familiar paranoia. He looks again at his would-be employer, who seems like he's about to repeat the question. The spiders. Elias says quickly. I'm afraid of spiders. James Wright nods, the smile curling into one of satisfaction, though Elias is sure the man doesn't believe him. Those eyes break contact for a moment, flicking up to the corner of the office where, at the edge of a bookshelf that sags with age and weight, a small cobweb has started to form. Very wise. A very sensible fear. It is. Yeah, it is. But is it true? For a moment, Elias really can't remember. Right here and now, the thought of a spider genuinely repulses him. 
The image of a scuttling, filthy creature, eight eyes glinting out in the darkness, crawls into his mind and he shudders, looking away for a second. But the uninvited thought keeps going. He imagines the spider moving up his leg, his body. He imagines feeling its bristling hairs against the skin of his shoulder, his throat, his cheek. Its spindly, probing legs finding their way up his face. Elias can't stop himself picturing that spider sat there, venom dripping from fangs that hang poised over his eye. He can't shut his eye. <clears throat> a cough from over the desk breaks his train of thought. His interviewer is staring at him, and all at once he's back with himself, burning with embarrassment. Those eyes stare, impassive and stern as ever, but is that a twinkle of satisfaction? As though he has been given an answer he likes. The next question comes slowly, and Elias tries to squash down the fear growing in his chest. So tell me, have you ever had an experience that you would consider supernatural? And immediately Elias is in that room again, fumbling for the light switch, smelling the coppery scent of old blood mixed with the crusty odour of a room that has been hotboxed a little bit too often. The memory is as fresh and vivid as the day it happened. He knows that Alan is dead, but he needs the light to be sure, to see it for himself. He finds it, and the switch feels slippery beneath his fingers. When the light comes on, Elias has no idea how much of the crimson that bathes the scene is from the blood on the walls, how much from the blood that tints the light bulb, and how much is simply the shading of his memory. But he remembers so clearly what he was thinking as he looked at what was left of Alan Schreiber. Where are his eyes? What did they do with his eyes? No, Elias tries to say, though his mouth is dry and his head is swimming. No, I don't, uh, I don't think... James Wright says nothing as another memory bubbles up from inside Elias, like the last scream of a drowning diver. Alan is in the library, irritated at the interruption, but happy to see a friendly face. The whites of his eyes are riddled with the scarlet veins of sleeplessness, but his hand trembles with a feverish energy as he tries to explain the significance of the book he's found. Even sober, Elias couldn't have followed what his friend was saying, lost in layers of theological scholarship, but he smiles anyway to see the reserved young Alan so passionate about his subject. He looks at the book itself. It's old, crumbling, with none of the usual college library markings. He asks Alan where he got it, and his friend doesn't answer, instead glancing around with a sudden self-conscious suspicion. Elias shuffles round to get a closer look at the pages, then stops in confusion as he realises they are all blank. Alan only laughs when he says so. Was the laughter really that cruel? Or is it just the warping of memory, the past he tries to forget, mixed with the nightmares that came after? the faces he dreamed of seeing in those pages. Well, uh, Elias is shaking all over. That is to say, another one. Alan is curled up behind the sofa in the living room they share. 
Elias stares at his weeping friend, bleary-eyed, trying to follow his housemate's strange monologue. Half confession, half conspiracy theory, half urban legend. It saw me, Alan keeps saying, over and over again. It saw me through the pages, and it's coming. He sees it, he says, in every mirror, every distant doorway, a silhouette on every skyline, coming closer each and every time, finding its way towards him step by step. It has no eyes, Alan sobs, so it has to feel its way towards me. But it knows. It knows. Elias has no way to comfort him. He can't even understand what he's talking about. And so on that, the last night of Alan Schrieber's life, he just gets him high and leaves him to sleep it off. I don't know, Elias says at last. You can never really be sure, can you? Beyond that stretch of polished mahogany, so well waxed that Elias's pale, sweating face is clearly visible, James Wright's smile remains unchanged. Indeed. Now tell me, why do you want this job? Elias tries not to visibly sigh with relief. This, at least, is a question to which he has prepared an answer. He clears his throat slightly shaking off the lingering image of Alan's body. Oh, well, he begins. I've always had the greatest respect for the work put out by this institute on mythological traditions, especially some of the recent papers on Indo-European traditions, which was very useful for my dissertation on... He stops. Those eyes. They know. They can see right through all his bullshit, right to the core of him. They know what he really thinks. A position in a small, obscure little academic organization, the first step on a path to the position he actually deserves. This place could be anything, as far as he's concerned. Medical research, a grant foundation, it doesn't really matter. So why choose the Magnus Institute? Barely known outside its own little sphere of influence, hardly respected among the wider academic community. His father's words came to him again as they always had, through childhood, boarding school, university. You're a smart boy, Elias, but you're lazy. You have every advantage that I in this world could possibly provide, and yet you insist on squandering them. Don't think I don't see you, looking at those other children with envy, as though their meaningless little lives could contain anything of substance, anything for a Bouchard to aspire to. You are better than them, and they know it and it is your job to prove worthy of that distinction. Elias's stomach tightened at the memory, the fierce judgment in his father's eyes. Even laid out in a casket, it was as if he had looked at Elias with disdain. What should he say? That he had no idea why he wanted this job? That he was all alone in the world, no friends, no family, nothing but the deep certainty that he deserved better? that he was destined to be important, that it was in his blood. Where had he heard about this job opening? Had it been in a newspaper? He knew no one who worked here, but received a letter anyway inviting him to interview. Now that he thought about it, he hadn't even sent out a CV. Yet somehow he found himself sat across from this man whose smile hadn't moved the whole time, 
and whose eyes seemed to know why he was here far better than he did. I, uh... Elias' voice wavered, paused. I've always had the greatest respect for the work put out by this institute on mythological traditions, especially some of the recent papers on Indo-European traditions, which was very... Tell me, why are you here? I... I don't know. Were you drawn here? Yes. I was. Against your will? No. Then why did you heed the call? Because... This is the place I know I should be. Good. The job is yours. Elias has the briefest of flashes. A sudden burst of terror. An image of himself strapped down, helpless. The vanishing of well-known faces and the harsh sneers that replace them as they stare at him. He cannot move. He cannot scream. What is happening? What is it that he feels deep down in his skull? What are they doing to his eyes? This presence, old and rotten in his mind. He can do nothing but watch. The moment passes, and Elias returns to himself. He tries to smile, and thanks his new employer for the opportunity. Right, that was intense. Yeah, um, I just—was uh, that the real Elias? Is he still in there then? No, no, it, it was an echo. The last spasm of a corpse—it's far too late for either of them. Damn! There was never anything we could have done. But I saw what? You were right. About what? His body is vulnerable, uh, at least to me. What's the catch? I could kill his body, sever the link, break the eye's power, and Jonah Magnus would die. Okay, that sounds good, but... But... That wouldn't actually harm the eye itself. And with him gone, it would... It would choose a suitable replacement. Oh. If we kill Jonah Magnus... I take his place. Oh, God. And I think... That's exactly what it wants. The Magnus Archives is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. Today's episode was written by Jonathan Sims, produced by Lorianne Davis, and directed by Alexander J. Newell. It featured Jonathan Sims as The Archivist, Alexander J. Newell as Martin Blackwood, and Ben Meredith as Jonah Magnus. To subscribe, buy merchandise, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill. visit us on Facebook, or email us via mail at RustyQuill.com. Join our community on the Discord via the website or on Reddit at r slash the Magnus Archives. Thanks for listening.
Hi everyone, Alex here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Maham Farhan, Snurfle, Jordan J, Will Holmesroys, Kashi, For Reasons Unknown, Mila, Muddy Hippie, Ori Roca, Alison M, Diana Raphael Cameron, Haunted Moon, Orion, Tim, Grace Lang, Avi Kritz, Pipe Zelly, Will Wouldn't It Be Nice, Casey, Kai, Pepper, Matt Stogner, Alst, Inside Aces Head, Alexander Jiggles Newall, Moduli, Juliet, Pastiche Candioli, Craig Dorman, Victoria Taylor, Badger Hat, Lewis Mack, Lydia Obershane, Red McKinley, Lindsay Bradford, Just Simple Gabby, Victory Storms, Urban Foraging, Morgan Gillespie, Shelby, Ashley Duart, Diana Lopera, Chris Sanders, Jess, Hip Hop 101, Jay Schreiber, Dismas Novoa, Cold K, Seb. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash rustyquill and take a look at our rewards. Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about Divisor, a podcast on the RQ Network. Divisor is a dark science fiction audio drama with elements of horror from Harlan Guthrie, the mastermind behind the unsettling and addictive series Malevolent. In this immersive tale, we follow Sun, a young man who awakens aboard a spaceship bound for Earth on a mission to recolonize a desolate planet. However, Sun's journey takes a sinister turn, and he discovers unsettling truths about his world and himself. The entire series is available for you to listen to now. Search for Divisor wherever you listen to podcasts. That's D-E-V-I-S-E-R. Or visit www.divisor.ca or www.rustyquill.com for more information.